Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. And Keith, we've got a player at the top here and then three teams offseason outlooks to look at. Team at the, the player at the top here that we're going to talk about, LeBron James, came out after the game after being eliminated in the playoffs saying that he has to seriously consider if he's going to come back next season. So I wanted to just pose to you, what are the financial ramifications? Because he is going to be starting his uh, contract extension, two years, 97-ish million, because it's still estimated potentially based on the salary cap. So next season would be for 46.9 as of right now, and then he has a player option for 50.6. So if he was to retire this offseason – uh, which I'm guessing is due to, uh, if I'm reading the tea leaves, his injury is way more than he, he was dealing with. Uh, you know, he pushed through the playoffs. I know back in December he was saying, you know, the, the, the doctors were saying you really shouldn't play, but he pushed through the rest of the season and deep into these playoffs. So I'm, my, I'm guessing that injury is way more significant than uh, we may know about. So what are these ramifications for the Lakers if he were to retire. Yeah, I mean they're they're pretty huge because if he retires and just walks away, uh they they they'll end up with essentially max salary cap space or the the ability to create max salary cap space. So should should be very clear about that. Um and then you wonder do they go that route and do they basically look at it and say, all right, well we'll keep Austin Reeves uh, in his relatively small cap hold, probably keep Rui Hachimura, uh, and Anthony Davis still on the books at forty point six million, and then we'll go about trying to rebuild this roster around kind of that that group of, of three uh players, because that still leaves you with the ability to do just about anything um that, that you want to do. So I I tend to think, you know, in LeBron's case, uh, I'm with you. I'm guessing this is, you know, this is the, you know, uh, most recent in a number of years that have been injury impacted for him. Um, my guess is this is a, uh, you know, just brutal tough spot for him right now where he has just been, you know, really kind of, you know, working through this and, uh, you know, battled all the way to the end of the season. Season ended in, I would say disappointment for him, at least. I think, you know, the Lakers, you know, fought to get to this point. And uh, history, I think, will be a little bit kinder. But I think for him, it's, he said it after the game, you know, making the conference finals is no achievement to him. Like, he's done that several times. So so I think we're in a spot where he's just, he, he's in a place where it's probably, I'm hurting. I, I'm going to be hurting for probably a little while now, maybe not even ready to start next season or, you know, potentially that could be the case depending on what needs to happen here this summer uh, for him, if there's surgery needed or if it's just something that can heal up with rest. And he's probably just thinking about all of it after 20 years and a long career. And, you know, and then from the Lakers side, now you are kind of preparing for maybe an eventuality you didn't think you were going to be facing, right. Especially not this summer of, okay, well, now we got to get this figured out uh, without LeBron maybe in the mix. So that, that becomes a whole different uh, set of planning that you probably didn't spend a whole lot of time on uh, you know, in the last couple of months leading up to this. So like I said, his contract is 46.9 estimated guaranteed dollars for the 23-24 season. And then he has that player option. So if he were to retire, the player option is considered guaranteed. So he could essentially just exercise that and get all of the 97-ish million dollars. I mean, he, he could. The challenge is if he just retires and says, I'm done, then, you know, then, then that can, uh, you know, ultimately be, you know, what wiped off the, the books um, with that. Because he, he could say, you know, I'm completely done and off we go. And then it becomes a whole thing if he then wants to return to the league. There's a whole process with it, with it, within, you know, if he wants to, you know, retirement is, it's a tricky one because it's not necessarily binding, right? Um, retirement isn't, it's, you know, guys can, can unretire and come back to play. Uh, it's, it's been a quite a while since we've seen a, a notable situation like this. It was probably, gosh, it's gotta be at least 15 years ago now with Jason Williams, um, 
he retired from the Clippers, uh, changed his mind and wanted to come back a year later. And uh, he was denied that the, what happens is the league uh, uh, teams vote and they, they denied it and said, no, you can't come back. And he had to wait uh, for the one year of that retirement to come back because he was under a contract. So, so that, you know, and that basically closes a loophole from a guy saying I'm retired and I'm now a free agent and I'm going to return you know, with a different team and, you know, just change teams, but not the you know correct way, I guess is the best way to put that. So, you know, so we'll see, you know, how that kind of comes, you know, to, to fruition here with, with the Lakers. I'm not entirely sure how, you know, he would play this out. My, my guess is he's not going to take a route that's going to leave them in a position where, well, you're going to have to hold on to my contract and, you know, make it work. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, but there are a lot of, you know, open-ended things here with, with this to come. So just to clarify, since the next season is guaranteed, and say, let's say for hypothetical reasons he decides I'm done in August, that 46-9 would be on the books, and they could wait. They would have to essentially, you know, waive him or stretch that. How would no, that work? No, so so it, there's a couple di- different ways he he can, um, you know, he he can because this wouldn't be a career-ending injury kind of deal. Um, that's mm-hmm. a whole different process, and we don't really need to get in into that because I don't think that's how this is going to play out. Um, but what happens is, um, in this spot is if he says I'm not, I'm not, I'm retiring, and I'm not going to take that salary, that's it. He's done. It just comes off the off the books, and then we go into that whole uh, situation that I laid out. Right. If the team says, no, like we, you know, we're not going to let you completely out of this, you know, we'll go from there. Um, you know, so that's where then he needs to kind of wait a year or whatever. And that's, you know, becomes a whole kind of messy situation like I laid out that Jason Williams situation. If he says, you know, hey, I, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm kind of up in the air or I'm gonna, I think I'm going to retire. And if the Lakers say, Hey, we're going to get a jump on this and wave him. Um, they can, they can do that at any point they, they could wave him and say, see you later and off they go. And then, yeah. And then they could look at stretching it have to run the math on that to see if they could even stretch. Cause you're only allowed to stretch so much money. I think they probably could, um, but you, you would have to go through um, that whole situation there. So it, it really ultimately comes down to, my guess is he, if he's retiring, my guess is he's going to say, I am done, like done, done. Yo, I, I'm not going to take my salary. Yo, I am retiring. And at that point, everything kind of resets. Yeah. It, it's interesting the paths that he could go because, you know, if he does decide, I still want to play. He, we see it every year. I mean, he could just wait until December, January, and then come back as a, and let the, you know, let the Lakers play as is and then play the remainder of the season and be as healthy as he can be without taking the brunt of the, you know, the hits through October through middle of December. Uh, but on the flip side, I wonder how much is going through his mind now. Like you said, the age is there. The, the minutes have taken a toll. And we had the news about his son. And he, we know he wants to play, but maybe he's coming to a realization uh, that that may not come to fruition. Yeah. But the latter point that I want to make is I wonder how much he's realizing I really want this next franchise in, La- in Las Vegas and I need to not be playing so this can move forward because of – uh, you know, we're seeing the Oakland A's going to be moving mm-hmm. to Las Vegas. We've got, and we've talked about this in the past episode where Las Vegas is just a, a breeding ground for these franchises to want to come to. And now the NBA might be a step behind because now baseball is going to be there. So I wonder how much of that is going into play as well. Now Tom Brady, part ownership of the, the Raiders there. So I wonder if it, it more of a realization of, okay, maybe I do need to expedite my exit process to be able to move into my next phase. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, a lot of stuff to, to go on with there. I think we're in a spot where my guess is, you know, let's give this another couple weeks, maybe even, you know, a month. And ahead of free agency, 
The Lakers will absolutely know what LeBron James is going to do. Um, I don't think he's going to put them in a position where, all right, you know, hey, yeah, build the team like I'm going to be here. And then he, you know, will bail out on them ahead of, you know, the, uh, you know, um, the season starting. So I don't think that's going to be how this goes. It's probably just this is raw right now. I Me, mean, I said only two weeks ago, I think it was. I don't even, it might only have been a week ago, you know, that he's like, yeah, you know, I want to play with my son. Like, that's my goal in this league and he, and he even said last night um as we record this on tuesday morning after they were eliminated monday night he said you know hey i, I know i'm still better than 90 95 of the league so i i think he's you know I, my guess is he's just physically and emotionally hurting right now and it's you know it's hard for him to even you know kind of grasp the idea of like all right we gotta start over from zero again at the start of next season and try to push all the way to this to this point, but my guess is, you know, we'll, we'll see, um, you know, him, him return at some point. Yeah. Time will tell. It'll be interesting to see how the path goes and how the Lakers move from there. Uh, and, and we'll get into the Lakers more once we get to their off season preview, uh, which transitions us into our three teams, unless you have anything else to say about the LeBron situation. No, I, I think the expansion thing is interesting. I, I do you know, it seems like he is going to be involved there. I, you know, there's, I've already had people suggest like, well, what he's going to do is he's going to retire. He's going to sit out a couple years and then return kind of a la Michael Jordan, um, you know, when as a player for that expansion uh, franchise, I, I mean, maybe right. I've, 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 if I've learned any lesson through all of this, it's, I don't really discount much of anything. Uh, you know, they're all, you know, possibilities. I don't, think that's probably how this is going to play out but but i don't know you know i mean may, maybe it makes as much sense as just about anything else does okay minnesota timberwolves la clippers and cleveland cavaliers are on the docket for today we're going to start with the minnesota timberwolves looking at this team they traded for rudy gobert and first before we even dive into the direction from your eyes, your assessment, was it more of an issue with the usage or chemistry on that roster with Rudy Gobert in that? Yeah. yeah, a little bit of all of it. I think, you know, by the time they were, it was going to take a little bit to figure out how to play him and Carl Anthony Towns together to start the year. Um, at that point, too, they were playing very much with a, you know, score first uh, point guard in D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Anthony Edwards is a guy blossoming in his career into, you know, all right, he's going to have the ball quite a bit. And, you know, he's, he's your best all around player at this point. So you, you need to make sure, you know, everything is kind of running through him. So that was going to be a little bit messy. And then just as it looked like, all right, they might kind of be figuring this out. Carl Anthony Towns got hurt, missed the bulk of the rest of the season. Um, he did get back, but then it was like, all right, we got to restart all of this shortly uh, before making their, their playoff run. So I just, you know, it's injuries, ill-fitting roster, um, you know, just things didn't come together and that, that, you know, be added all up and that's how you land here in a very disappointing place. So he has two guaranteed years plus a player option left. So call it three. Uh, so <laughs> right. three, right. Cause he's yeah. not going to decline 46 and over 46 and a half million dollars. Yeah, not when he's okay. in his mid thirties. Um, definitely not. So do the Minnesota Timberwolves just have to ride him out through this contract? Do you, pers- do you think that he may be a candidate that they try to flip again? Um, I, I don't know how to read this situation. Yeah. Me, especially having given the haul that they did to get him. In yeah. And that, and that does factor in because you're this front office. That was kind of their first thing, right? They, 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 Tim Connolly comes in to lead the front office and his first major thing is, all right, let's make this big trade for Rudy Gobert. And you know, it's, it's one of those ones where it was questionable at the time the amount they gave up to get him, uh, both in terms of players and obviously in terms of draft picks. Uh, so that was you know one of the tricky parts. Um, but it's not like it went so poorly. I mean, they still made the playoffs that like you're going to fire Tim Connolly after a year. So now what happens is if this was a, you know, 
uh, waning GM group made this this trade. It didn't work. They fire that front office. New front office comes in. I think they're far more likely to say, hey, we're not going to, you know, we, we, we can't. That sunk cost. We got to figure our way out of this. Almost kind of like what happened with Sean Marks when he took over the Brooklyn Nets. But this is not the case here. This is Tim Connolly coming in. He made the trade. So he's not going to be very likely to then unmake the trade as much as he can by then moving Gobert. I think what happens is he's definitely on this roster going into next season. Then I think, let's say he has a, you know, at least a decent rebounding season, not rebounding, like grabbing rebounds, but like bounces back is still, you know, one of the, you know, comes back to be a premier defensive player. And then maybe what you're looking at is, all right, going into the summer of 2024, a year from now, maybe then you could say, Hey, You've got, you know, two years left on this. You really need a defensive backbone. You know, we need to reset a little. Maybe then you could look at a trade for him and that could come. And then obviously when you're going into that final year as an expiring deal, expiring deals can always be moved no matter how large they are. But I think the bigger question for the Wolves is this summer, and I know we're going to spend time on it, it's probably going to be kind of boring for them. I don't think we're going to see a ton of, you know, major stuff happening. But I think it's next year going into 2024, you're going to have Anthony Edwards 100% on a max deal, maybe even that 30% max if he qualifies for it. Um, that's my guess is that'll be one of the first extension agreements we'll hear uh, come out with, with the rookie scale guys. will be Anthony Edwards, you know, uh, signing, you know, the full max probably with the, uh, uh, you know, Rose rule qualifiers in there. But then you're so you're gonna have him. Let, let's 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 just for the sake of numbers say he doesn't qualify for that. But that's projects right now: thirty-five point seven million, Gobert forty-three point eight million, and Towns' first year of his extension at fifty million. Uh, so now all of a sudden, what you're sitting there with is those three guys at well over one hundred and twenty million, one hundred twenty-five-ish million in that range, one hundred twenty-eight. Yo, that's crazy <laughs> for those three guys because not that they're not all good players but they they're not you know probably winning you very big things so then it turns into uncle bear's not a great trade asset we love anthony edwards it would be insane to trade him so then you have to start thinking is it time this summer to discuss carl anthony towns trades and that one uh, yeah. year and, and i was gonna yep. go there yep I was and that one year restriction is coming up right from him signing the uh, designated player extension. So, so once that restriction is up, you can start having those conversations, and you know may, maybe it is time. Yeah, and I wonder if Minnesota will pull that trigger or not. You know, they did the massive extension. Is there a team that is going to want to take on uh, a Towns who has had injury issues? Um, he's he's had his up and downs as far as production on the court, in my opinion. Um, so do, oh, and, or is he so loyal like a Damian Lillard or a Bradley Beal where that he just wants to be in Minnesota? He obviously, he doesn't have a no trade clause where mm -hmm. they can just move him if they wanted to. But at what point do the, the Minnesota Timberwolves have to say, all right, we, we really do need to, reset from the ground up i know they've done that in the past and but they may be at a point where like you said 24 25 season may be that year to have to really really look at them themselves and say where do we really want to go with this roster because they've underperformed with the players that they've had on their roster they've you have to give them credit for at least trying i know the gobert trade is we all had eyes wide open of holy cow what did they just do to to acquire him but at least they've they've made moves to try to make themselves better they were trying to potentially do what cleveland did with the, the double bigs and it hasn't really worked out yet maybe with next season if towns can stay healthy and they can figure out that roster rotation but I agree, 24-25 is the year, and if for some reason this next season does not cut it, then you you definitely have to have serious conversations internally of 
what can we do to move him and maybe even get some of those draft picks back that we sent out for Gobert? Yeah, that's that's kind of what you're doing, right? If you move towns, you're you're resetting back into a place of all right, give me yo get let, let me get my picks back. Not not my picks, but you know what I mean. In that, you know, let me recoup some value here on this. And one other thing too, just because it's I want to make sure we mention it because I didn't know off the top is Jaden McDaniels is also extension eligible. Uh, this summer and he's become a major major piece to that team he's an all defense level guy at the forward position and that's on a team that doesn't have a whole lot of defense outside of gobert and him so um you know and and correct me if i'm wrong what wasn't he a part of the couple deals the teams mm-hmm. wanted him in yep. that as a yep. they held off and said no we're yep. we're 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 gonna keep him we're gonna plug him into our starting group and and off they went he's you know very very good young player so there, there is a world where I think they at least explore a Carl Anthony Towns trade this summer um, because part of part of that is obviously what we talked about, right? It's, you know, you can't, you're going to be wildly expensive. Even McDaniels, right? He's probably going to be in year one of an extension, probably something in the 15 to 20 million range, at least is my guess. So now you're talking, you know, that's just a team salary of $150 million for, you know, three four players like Edwards, Gobert, McDaniels and Towns. Like that's crazy to, to even, you know, start to think about that. So, so now what I think happens is it, you, you, you start just listening, right? You're not shutting people down when they call on, you know, Hey, what would it take to get Carl Anthony Towns? Because here's the reality. He makes $36 million this year. That's a heck of a lot easier to acquire via trade than 50 million is a year from now. And, and that, that's where I think, you know, we land out with, all right, if there's anything major going to happen with this roster, it'll be there. I tend to think that's not how it will go. I think what they'll do is the, the Wolves will say, let's, we never really got to see it. We had too many injuries, too many other things. Uh, we, by the time we got Mike Conley to stabilize our backcourt as kind of a guy who can run the offense, make sure everybody's in the right places. You know, we really did look like a different team. My guess is they're going to say, let's run it back. They'll make some moves around the edges. And then we'll see, you know, if they can make a, a jump, if they can make a, uh, you know, it, it sounds crazy to say it, but like a, you know, nuggets like leap um, where it's, you know, all right, we, we made the deep playoff run and the nuggets obviously going to the finals is, you know, they, they'd be ecstatic to get there uh, for Minnesota, but just, you know, make a deep playoff run, you know, com- competitive in the second round or maybe make a run at the conference finals. Then you are in a completely different place with all your decision-making going into to next summer in 2024 but for now it's let's run it back and then we can still explore trades for Carl Anthony Towns on that 36 million number in season if we need to um if things aren't you know they're just we can't get this right and it's not going the way we want but I tend to think that's the way they'll go is say hey let's kind of run it back some moves around the edges I do think they're going to lose a couple of the rotation guys we can get into them um, but I, I do think, you know, that's, that's going to be the approach is we've got the bulk of the roster in place. We've got our starting group in place. Let's fill out our bench and let's keep, keep moving. So what areas of, uh, need do you, do you think they need to go in a direction of, uh, you know, more shooting, more pass movement, um, you know, ball facilitator, what do they need? Yeah, definitely more shooting for sure. I think, you know, if they could get, you know, just a couple bench shooters, um, that'd be big for them. But for all that Malik Beasley, you know, is not, you know, he, he isn't great defensively and he maybe becomes kind of unplayable by the time he gets to the playoffs. He was huge for them in the sense of he could at least, you know, hit shots coming off their bench. And that that's, that's something that they're really missing. Um, right now, as you kind of look at this roster, Jalen Noel, um, who I was super high on, just didn't kind of grab that role and run with it. He had some injuries, but just was really inconsistent. Um, so I think they're probably just going to move on and let, let him go unless the deal is super team friendly to come back. I think, um, you know, Nas Reed, a backup big man who I know they love and they like the idea of, hey, we get him. We've kind of got our three, uh, you know, center rotation good locked in with Gobert, Towns, and Reed, um, 
but my guess is he, you know, may get priced out here. That might be one where, you know, you might see a team say, hey, you know what, we can give him our full mid-level exception and plug him in as our starting five and move on. And that probably puts the Wolves in a position where, all right, we've got to make a tough choice. So add some more shooting, you know, using it's, you know, you're probably using your exception, you know, that that's going to be, be the way to go with this. They've got just enough room under the tax that they should be able to make that happen. Um, you know, so use that, get your guys, you know, kind of locked in, but bring in the right, um, you know, the right, right players for depth purposes and moving forward. Cause you've got what should be provided everybody's healthy and they can stay healthy and mesh um, over the course of training camp. And in the early months, you've got what should be a pretty good starting five and Gobert, Towns, McDaniels, Edwards, and uh, Conley. That's a pretty good group. You've got a couple nice backups in place and Jordan McLaughlin, uh, Torian Prince. So then it becomes, all right, we need to get at least one more big in here. Um, we need to get one other guy. And I, I, I shouldn't skip over Kyle Anderson to another really good solid player to have coming off your bench. So you've kind of got the makings of, you know, an eight man group, but add a, you know, another big and another shooter in there. Now all of a sudden you really got something. Yeah, especially with how the West is, and we just talked about LeBron, and you know the Lakers might be up in the air, and who knows what's going to happen in Phoenix. And if if you can sort of have some sort of chemistry going into the season, and you get a few solid wins that you may not have had in the beginning of the season, you know this this roster they could find themselves in a playoff spot fairly yeah. easily. I would think if if they can all really work together, and if those core players can stay healthy. Um, otherwise, I mean, in theory, they have 11 players already under contract, so they do have a little bit of wiggle room for bringing in those pieces using that exception. They do have a few guys on partial or non-guaranteed, including Conley. Um, so Conley's is only 14.3 out of the 24 three uh, guaranteed. So is that something that the Wolves would just pick up or is that something they're just going to wait and let it go uh, guaranteed when it needs to? Yeah, I, I think, you know, in, in this case, you know, for them, you know, they're, they're it's, it's, it is all those non-guaranteed decisions. My, my guess is, you know, just guarantee Conley, guarantee um, McLaughlin, probably just guarantee Prince because, you're you're fine. You still have enough room to use the full mid level, even with those guys under the under contract. And you go, and then then you're good. You know, it's going to be the little bit lower down. You know, Nikhil Alexander Walker became a ro- rotation player uh, for this team. You know, where do you want to go with that? Because you extend him a qualifying offer at you know seven million, that might be enough for him to just say, "Yep, I'm signing it," and off we go. Uh, like I said, I think Jalen Noel gets squeezed out. We'll see about Nas Reed. Austin Rivers, that's a, you know, hey, you want to come back on the minimum? Great. We're happy to have you back. Their two-way guys are, you know, they didn't pop enough to really matter. So so I think you're in a spot with the Wolves where there's there's not too many, you know, real tough decisions to make here uh, roster-wise. I think for the most part it's, all right, you know, we've kind of got what we have. It's now we got to make a smart signing or two because I just don't know unless it's Towns that we're going to see a major trade. Um, in the mix. I just, I just don't see anything that makes sense uh, jumping off the table for them right now. Yeah, and I, I'll backtrack. Conley, his uh, salary becomes guaranteed uh, on 624. Yeah. So he's going to be guaranteed even going into the offseason. So that's kind of a moot point. They're not going to waive yeah. him <laughs> before no. that. The only way they would do that um, is if somehow they had an agreement where George Hill did this with the Bucks a few years ago where it was, all right, you can waive me and then we're going to re-sign him um, to a right. much lesser contract. Maybe that could could exist with Conley, but my guess is at this point, I mean, Mike Conley is going to be 36 um, right around the start of the season. So my guess is it's just, uh, let's just play this out and go. Because of the over 38 rule, there's only so much you could you know, even give him years wise and everything, you know, that, that would even start to make sense. So I, I think, you know, now you just, you know, let that guarantee move it forward and keep, keep things going with him kind of running your offense. All right. Anything else we need to know about the Minnesota Timberwolves? No, I don't, not, nothing jumps out. Just, you know, major 
you know, let, let's see, do, do they want to jump now or run it back or, or, or see just a lot of, you know, p- pieces here that, you know, it's, it's either going to be this year or next year. It feels like that we've got major decisions coming just because of the way, you know, their salary structures are laid out. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, whether you get a jump on it now or whether we wait a little bit. LA Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard and company. Very, very deep into the tax already for <laughs> next season. Yeah. Uh, so deep, they can't even Paul see George it and, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they played 56 and 50 games, respectively. Uh, I want to start there. What do the Clippers do with those two? I, or is there is there really nothing they can do, and they just have to play it out and see what they can get out of another season of those two? Yeah, so, I, I mean, you're just going to – you're you're attached to them for at least one more year, right? At the forty five point six million, they have uh, completely identical contracts, so uh, forty five point six million for the for the two of each of them. Uh, you'll get that amount. So I think what you do if you're the Clippers is you go in and. But I think I think we're gonna see just based on some of the comments coming out of you know their their locker room after they were bounced in the playoffs uh, this year. I think you're going to see a reprioritization of the regular season. Cause I think what the Clippers learned this year is, Hey, we can do all the load management stuff. We can get all the way down to the um, idea of, all right, well, you know what? It's, you know, the whole goal is to be healthy for the playoffs and we don't really care what our seed is. And then we can get to the playoffs and still not be healthy. Right. And that's what happened. Paul George was hurt. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard got hurt. And now all of a sudden you're in the playoffs and it's like, man, we, you know, we're a low seeded team. We had all these injuries and it all just kind of, you know, fell apart early for them. So I think what we're looking at now um, with this team is you turn this into, you got to run with those two guys. And I think, you know, obviously if they, you know, actual injuries, you're not going to push them to play through them, but I think it's going to be, are we going to play? You know, like, like we, we're not going to Kawhi probably still sits out back to backs, but it's not going to be, you know, all right, well, we have two games this week, just as a quirk of the schedule, you're going to sit one out and get a whole week off. I don't think we're going to see that anymore. I think you're going to see them push to win a little bit more in the regular season, try to kind of keep things moving because I think we're in a spot for this team where they've realized, all right, the way we've done it has not worked. We have to have a different approach going into next season. Yeah, and my guess is the remainder of the roster, they sort of just run it back for the most part because they have 13 players under contract going into next season, but you have a lot of middle-salaried players in Powell, Morris, Gordon, Batum, Covington, Zubach. You know, yes, some of those could be moved, but if they can stay healthy – they're a viable team 100% if they can all be healthy and have that chemistry on the court. It's just they, they've had uh, injuries here, injuries there. They tried the John Wall experiment last year. We saw that that didn't work. Uh, they acquired Bones Highland from Denver. Um, so do they just run it back, or do you think from what you see – that they may move off of one or two of these players via trade just to try to shake the roster up. I, I tend to think they're mostly going to run it back. The the one guy that people keep bringing up and saying, you know, uh, maybe they just wave Eric Gordon and move on. Right. And that, that clears 20.9 million off the books. I think the challenge with that is that still doesn't even get you under the super tax line. Like you're 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 still over that second tax apron still won't have your mid-level exception now maybe you could do another salary dump and move on from somebody and then you could get there but the reality is like that alone isn't enough and Eric Gordon still is a useful player and on a team where even if we don't do the extreme load management you still are a pretty good bet to have guys miss some games. He's a guy you still probably would like to have on the roster. So I think what we're going to actually see is I think they're going to re-sign Mason Plumlee. Um, you know, probably not to 
what he had last year, probably, you know, maybe slightly less, you know, something in the eight, nine million range, um, which is, I guess, pretty close to where he was a year ago, but no raise off that, but bring him back and you say, all right, between Plumlee and Zubots, we we're good at the center spot, right? We've got our, our thing locked in. The big question becomes Russell Westbrook at this point, unless you clear a bunch of salary away. So I have them right now, Scott, $22.4 million over the, the second tax apron. So to even get down to using the $5 million taxpayer MLE, they've got to shed $22.5 million to be in that range. Actually, more than that, because because using it would take them back over. So let's say $27.5 million that they have to shed. Um, yeah, you could do part of that by waiving Eric Gordon. That's $20.9 million, But you're still talking finding $6.5 million that you have to get rid of just to be able to use the $5 million uh, uh, taxpayer mid-level. Now, Marcus Morris is on the end of his contract at $17 million. Uh, Nick Batum, $11.7 million expiring. Robert Covington, $11.7 million expiring. We're in a spot where they could shed some salary if they need to. But my guess is it's probably more likely it's going to be, all right, Russ, you want to play for the minimum? We are happy to have you back. But... For the most part, it's going to be, we're going to run it back. Maybe we we use a couple of these guys in salary. This is kind of the last year they'll be able to do that um, under the new rules. You can't aggregate salary together, but that doesn't start until 2024. So this could be the last year to say, all right, let's put Morris and Batum and uh, Covington together. And that's, you know, that that's over 40 million in matching salary. Let's go make a play for a guy who makes, you know, a ton of money and we'll load up that way. And that's where we'll go. But for the most part, it's probably going to look very, very similar in LA to what it looks like right now. I see there's a few extension eligibles. Are any of these extension eligible just to push some of their roster out or are the Clippers okay in letting things ride out, see where 24, 25, 25, 26 are? Because after 25, 26, there's nothing on the sure. roster. So are they in a right now mentality and who cares about four years from now, even though they're in the process of building a brand new facility and all of that? Yeah, so that's a good point, right? They have kind of said – semi-openly i don't think they they're they're directly saying it but they they're dropping the hints that they don't intend to start rebuilding um, which some have suggested you know should you trade Kawhi Leonard, trade paul george and really kind of kind of you know go into a period of rebuilding they basically said no we want to be really good and competitive and right there when our new building opens so i think what the approach will likely be is let's more or less run it back with what we have um, and part of that is going to be, let's see where we're at a year from now with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, do, do they both play 60 to 65 games next year? Look really, really good. Have some level of success in the playoffs and say, you know, we're opting out because this is it, right? This is our you know, last final chance at getting anything uh, as far as a you know, meaningful you know, four-year uh, you know, pay- payday here. Is that is that going to be where where that goes uh, with these guys? And, and you know, do, do they want to do that, or does it kind of go like it did this year with a whole bunch of injuries and not much success? And they just say, yeah, we're both going to opt in and we'll be back, and then that delays it out to twenty twenty five. I think for the most part, it's all right. Let's run it back. Let's keep the roster mostly in contact, in, intact rather, um, pretty good, and then we're gonna kind of evaluate you know year to year from here just because of the unknowns and the questions with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. This is a, I don't want to say fun, but it's going to be extremely interesting to watch this team operate moving forward. Like you said, they're, they're over (laughs) the super tax. So even the ability to make a trade, they can't take in more than they let out. Correct. So, they're already going to be strapped from that standpoint. And it's just going to be interesting roster gymnastics to see what they do. Or if Ballmer just says, I don't care. This is the roster. I like it. We're going to move forward and just deal with it down the line. If I have to pay extra, I'm going to pay extra. 
and it is what it is, but I want that winning team. And I'm going to so. bring this up. Sorry to interrupt you because I'm, I'm no, fully with you, but I'm going to bring this up now because it's going to come back up when we get to the Golden State Warriors because they're both in very similar situations salary-wise um, with as far as you know, how expensive they are and how the rosters are um, you know, aging and contract decisions coming up and the like. I think what's different, though, is the Warriors, right, they've won titles. They have a ton of history because they drafted those guys. So that is that is different, right, compared to the Clippers where this group, they, they haven't won anything, and there's there, there shouldn't be a, you know over-attachment to most of this roster. But what I think is going to be interesting, so next summer, summer 2024, and I, I promise this is – we are doing the 2023 offseason previews, even though we're talking a lot about next year. But I think for that's a sign of how teams are really having to think in like two and three year windows, more so because of these new CBA rules um, that applied to the Timberwolves, who we talked about earlier. It's going to apply to the Clippers. What I think we're going to see teams do. So let's take a player like Eric Gordon. Good good example here. He's going to make $20.9 I think they're going to keep him and just say, hey, it is what it is. We're going to keep him. Then next summer, he's a free agent. So they're going to be wildly expensive, barring, you know, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard opt out and leave or Kawhi retires or something like that. They're going to still be wildly expensive, still you know, up and over that super tax, which is where the, the Warriors are facing as well. I start to wonder, do you look at a player like Eric Gordon? And if you're the Clippers or any team that is in this position where you're a super tax team and you say, hey, well, in the future, we can't take an 11 million salary and a 12 million salary and go get ourselves a $25 million player. That's not going to be allowed for teams that are up and over that second tax apron that I like to call the super tax. You can't aggregate salaries together in trades anymore. So I start to think what you may see is, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pay Eric Gordon $25 million, even though it sounds crazy to pay him that much. Because now what we've done is we've created a walking, living trade exception. And now what we can do is we can take that $25 million. We don't Because we can't aggregate to get there, we just have it. And that's how we go uh, forward with this. And we'll pay the team in picks or young players or whatever it is to, to be able to. That's what the real get is. Just to say, hey, you got to eat that $25 million, But we're going we're gonna to take care of you in draft picks or whatever because that becomes our salary match. I think you may see some of these teams that are so expensive that that if that doesn't happen, they're like, eh, it, it's not the end of the world because we can we can afford it. I think that may be where you see some contracts go here for some players where it becomes, yeah, we're going to pay a guy a whole lot of money just really designed around we need to have you as a trade chip moving forward. Well, I think the other side of that outside of the trade exception is it's a built-in buffer. So if you're up to $25 million, all right, now I can bring in someone that is a $22, $23 million player yep. because it's less instead of having them at 20 and then you can only bring in 18 yep. 19 So it's a built-in buffer that looking forward, all right, we'll pay you a little bit more knowing that we're probably going to flip you for someone that's going to be slightly below because we know we're going to build the exactly. tax. And I, I don't I, – I mean, right – spot track nba podcast we we love the numbers and the salaries and all that but i do promise like we are humans like i do i don't love reducing players just to a salary number like it, it does you know still does bother me a little bit to an extent but the reality is i don't feel too bad when the player's getting 20 plus million dollars then i my, my level of uh feel bad on that starts to go way way down because I, I somehow i think they're going to be okay you know <laughs> but the reality is that's going to be how this is going to operate. And both sides are going to go into it knowing that, right? If you're Eric Gordon, look over and say, hey, we want to give you $25 million. You have to say, yes, I will take that knowing there is a good chance you're going to turn around and trade me later. Like that just has to be the kind of uh, thinking that is. That's, you know, more immediate of a decision. That may be a thing for Mason Plumley, where it is like, hey, we are going to actually give you $10, $11, 12000000 million a year because what we really want to do here is, we, we're we're going to have you then as a trade piece to go get a guy who makes, you know, $10 million a year or something like that. And that, that has to be a part of the you know, decision-making process on both sides moving forward. Yeah. I think the last piece 
that I want to mention with this is this team, they paid the tax in uh, 2021. They paid the tax in 2021-22, uh, paid tax last year. So they're going to be a tax repeater. And that doesn't seem to, uh, you know, they're going to have to do some crazy work <laughs> to have to get down and not be paying a, as a tax repeater. So this starts um, clicking. You'll appreciate this as a fellow spreadsheet head. This starts being one of those ones where all of a sudden it's just showing you the dollars the, or the, the hash marks, uh, number signs, because your 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 cell isn't expanded yep. enough to show you how big the tax bill is. You got to have to double click that to expand the cell and uh, pull it all the way out. Cause that's where the tax bill is headed. Anything else we need to know with the Los Angeles Clippers or LA Clippers? Yeah. I mean, just the Westbrook situation is fascinating because, you know, barring something really unexpected, they just can't really pay him more than the minimum. But I do wonder if he looks at it and says, Hey, I'm home. I'm where I want to be. I'm happy here he played pretty well for them and fit pretty well with this team he that may be enough for him to say you know what i'm gonna make more money doing other stuff here in la um so i'm not too worried about it clearly he's made more than enough money in his career he's never gonna worry so i do think that's generally players are very leery to sign minimum deals because it can be very hard then to not be seen as a minimum player moving forward but i think in westbrook's case i mean he is going to be, let me make sure I got my math ready. Yeah, he'll be 35 right around the start of next season. Uh, he'll be going into year 16. You do start to think like, all right, well, he probably is a minimum player. And that starts to turn into, all right, well, you know, hey, if you can be a minimum guy at home on a good team, starting, playing a real role, that's, you know, could, could be enough. Where for a lot of other guys, you would look at him and be like, all right, no, he's going to move on just because they can't pay him enough. Cleveland Cavaliers, interesting team, made that acquisition for Donovan Mitchell. That definitely helped that team uh, in the long run. They extended Darius Garland last offseason. That extension now kicks in $33.5 million estimated based on the cap right now. They have Jared Allen. They've got... Evan Mobley, who is a up-and-coming bright star, if not already there. Um, you got Ricky Rubio, who came back to that team after having been traded out there. So moving forward with the Cleveland Cavaliers, where, where are they going? Because they, they've, they've done what they needed to, but they only have 10 players on their roster. So they have room to bring in some players, maybe make a trade or two. So – where should they head? Got to get wings, right? You got to add size on the wing. You're going to play a small backcourt, a lot of minutes with Mitchell and Garland. And that's fine, right? Those two guys are terrific. You're, you're okay there. But then that means you've got to have good wings. And you're probably going to have you know, a wing who can allow you to throw Mitchell or, or maybe even Garland on a weaker player because that wing can pick up and defend for you. Now, Isaac Okoro was supposed to be that guy, right? Like it's, um, you know, it's, it's a, it just hasn't happened yet. And I like Isaac Okoro and I think he's developed fairly well, but the reality is this is a team that I think next year is going to go in to the season thinking, all right, Mitchell Garland, Mobley, Allen, we need to be, we can't be a first round out, right? We need to be pushing towards a conference finals type appearance next season and now that's that's you know ultimately our goal and they may look at it and say all right you know we can put isaac okoro and maybe ricky rubio or uh you know guaranteed salary for chetty osman we can put those guys into a trade and that can go get us a wing or something i'm gonna go rewind when talking about their offseason for a minute because i think they blew it at the um trade deadline one just waving kevin love and not trying to trade him to get something that just Agreed. doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, and I get it. They did right by love and they let him go and all the things that they did fine, whatever that part of it, I don't really care about, but that was, you know, 28 million ish or whatever it was in matching salary that you could have used or Karis Levert, who is now a free agent and you're probably likely going to resign just so you don't lose a salary slot. That turned into another missed opportunity. Not using 
Love's contract, not using Levert in his contract to go get somebody who maybe had two, three years under contract. That to me is a major missed opportunity. And now you're in a spot where you almost kind of have to resign Levert. You know, if you, it's going to be hard to find somebody just as productive, uh, you know, to replace him. And you're probably going to be sitting right around the, you know, we're not, I guess you'll be under the tax enough, but, you know, you're going to just be in a spot if you re-sign Levert, then you use most of your mid-level. Now you're probably right around the tax amount. Um, you don't have picks going forward because of the Mitchell trade. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's, it's no, by no means a bad situation because when you're starting with the Mitchell, Garland, Mobley, Allen, Quartet, you're you're in a better spot than a lot of other teams. But it's not a great situation in Cleveland, uh, just the way their salary sheet lines up. I'm glad you brought up the Levert situation because you're right. We all thought he was most likely going to be traded at that deadline. And when he was not traded, we were sort of left scratching our head as to what Cleveland was thinking and then the love buyout and so um is the vert a do you think there is a a market for him via a sign and trade so that they maybe acquire it at this off season as opposed to not having done it in the uh trade deadline it it's possible and it's possible because you get there kind of a weird way um, mostly because the free agent market is not very good, right? So I think what you could look at in that situation is a spot where it becomes, all right, you know, it's not a great free agent class here. So now what could happen is the teams that, let's say we miss out on Chris Middleton, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Cam Johnson, uh, Jordan Clarkson, Josh Hart, re- re-sign where they are. Now, all of a sudden, a team may say, all right, you know what? We still need a wing that can put the ball in the basket. All right, let's talk a trade, sign a trade with Karis LeVert. Let's try to figure something out there. And I think that's where you know, we could see that become that thing that actually happens here. So now it becomes, all right, there's possibility there that might not have been there otherwise. What, honestly, I think I would do if I'm Cleveland and I'm going to write this when I get to their offseason preview is, I would think about looking at Denver and I would say, boy, you know, Bruce Brown, they can't really keep him because, you know, they're not going to be able to pay him because all they can really offer him is the taxpayer mid-level again. And maybe not even that, depending on where, you know, the Nuggets ultimately land out salary-wise. It may, you know, there's, there's a world where we could see the Nuggets be in a spot where they don't even have that to offer. I, I think they will, but just to be... You know, kind of put it out there. If I if I'm the um the the Cavs, I'm kind of saying, hey Bruce Brown, you know, you want twelve million plus from our full mid level? All done, yours. There it is. We plugged our hole. You know, on the wing, we've got a guy who fits in here perfectly. Then we move him forward. But other than that, if it's not going to be that's that's the route, then I think you do probably start to look at all right, what could we do in a sign and trade if a team misses out on the other wings? You know, for a guy like Harris Levert. Donovan Mitchell is extension eligible. He does have a player option, so he has three years left, essentially. Did the Cavaliers see enough out of Mitchell that they would want to line up him, his salary and contract with Garland's? Or I, I know I, I hate doing extensions two years early, but I think for what they – gave up to get him and with the chemistry that they they saw this year that they may entertain that extension now just to have him on the books before some of these cap rises happen Uh, do you foresee that them even entertaining that or is that something that we're going to wait one more year see how this full roster goes and then potentially do an extension next offseason. I, I think what happens is they approach him with it. And I think Mitchell probably comes back with, uh, let's wait, let, 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 let's go one more year. Let's see if I make all NBA. Let's see if I jump up in there. I qualify to bump up a salary tier. Um, you know, and then, then, you know, then maybe we can go um, in that slightly different di- direction. It's, it's not dissimilar to Jalen Brown's. 
situation in Boston, right, where it is, you know, the the bump is nice, and you can bring me up to to the to the um, max tier. Uh, we're pretty darn close to it um, with, with on an extension. But you know what? I think maybe I can make all NBA, and then I can qualify, you know, for the the so called super max extension off of that. So I think that's probably where it goes. It's probably one of those things where. Yeah, you know, we're on the same page. It's we can do it and there's nothing, no rule preventing us, but it's just one of those things where it's probably not best for, for Mitchell. Now, if you're the Cavs, yeah, if you could get him locked up, get him locked up. That gives you that salary assurity. You know what your books look like now for you know the coming years. And when the cap jumps, you're gonna feel pretty good about all right, we've got Mitchell and Garland, we've got Jared Allen under contract. We'll probably at that point be starting an extension with Mobley. But those are not, you know, so onerous, you know, terms on any of those deals. None of them are going to be probably making $50 million. So we feel pretty good about that. And then I think if you're Mitchell too, the other piece is it just keeps the pressure on the Cavs to basically say, hey, you got to keep keep adding, keep trying to make this team better. Um, because, you know, as long as that player option looms out there in 2025 and he can opt out, that'll always be a kind of a question mark. Whereas if he was to sign an extension now um, and add those years to it and wipe out that option, it's it sounds good, but the reality is it becomes a spot where it is, you know what, though? I feel you know, better uh, right now about just, you know, kind of keeping that pressure on you. Anything else we need to know about the Cleveland Cavaliers in the upcoming offseason? Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be, you know, where, where where are you going uh, on the wing? Like, nothing – I hate to boil it down to just that simple of a thing, but that's really all that matters. You've got your backcourt and your frontcourt in place. And I, it's funny, I've seen some people be like, well, what are they going to do a backup big? They need to get a backup center. Well, they do. You know, of course, yeah, absolutely. you got to have somebody else besides Allen and Mobley. But that's – you know, I mean – you get into the you know second tier of, of uh, free agent centers, and pretty quickly you're into all right. Well, this guy's probably going to be available for the minimum, or not much more than that, uh, just because teams don't tend to pay those guys. So you you'll be able to find you know a value center that way. I think having Dean Wade back healthy, um, they got him on a really kind of undervalued extension that I think you know should end up turning into being pretty good. I think Jetty Osman gets his contract picked up. Uh, for next year, he's non-guaranteed at six point seven million. He should be worth that. Again, if nothing else, at six point seven million in matching salary in a trade as you go forward. So, they, it's it's just going to be you know all right. Well, well, what can you do? You know, how do we get there to get get a wing uh, filled out on this team when when we know you're you're kind of limited in in uh, tradable draft picks moving forward. Yeah, I look forward to this team. I hope they can take another step forward and really come together and get deep because I do like some of these pieces on this roster, and I would love to see Mobley take another step, Jared Allen take another step, Mitchell Garland combo really take this team deep into the playoffs uh, because this is a team that that free agents don't necessarily – we've talked about this with other uh, teams. It's not a free agent destination. Uh, by any means. So the fact that they took a chance to bring in Mitchell, they, they've scored on some of these uh, first-round free agents. They uh, Even Jared Allen, they acquired via trade from, mm-hmm. from Brooklyn. So they, they've done the roster construction in a fairly uh, efficient way, I think. I just want to see it all come together and allow them to get deep into the playoffs to show that it's really working uh, and it could be a place for other players to want to come to. Yep. Com- completely agree. I, I think we're, we're, we, we've kind of hit the point where, with these guys where it is, um, you know, all right, we're, 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 we've landed with the, this is not bad, but let's go. You know, we're, we're in a, a different place now, you know, that, that becomes a, a whole different kind of situation. All right, what is next on the docket for you? Yeah, so we're we're yeah after you know just a <laughs> a lot of stuff happened that, that I didn't get as much writing done last week. It's a uh, Scott, I'm uh, 
forever thankful to watch my daughter play soccer, but I'm not upset because the soccer season is wrapped. Um, <laughs> so we're in a spot where a lot of written pieces come in here uh, for, for the site. Um, where We're now into the final couple of non-playoff teams, Chicago and Oklahoma City. We come and written. Uh, then, you know, then we're into the playoff teams, the teams we just talked about, as well as the Brooklyn Nets. So all those will be coming here over the next couple of weeks. Um, still kind of going back and tweaking some of the free agent rankings a little bit. So, uh, you know, after seeing how some guys performed in the playoffs and, and all that, and just continuing to get everything ready for what it's crazy as weak of a free agent class as it is. I think we're going to have it, you know, just a kind of bonker summer because I think you've got all these teams that are lining up for, you know, all right, we got these new salary rules and we can't be, you know, super duper expensive anymore. So we've got to kind of rebalance. I think a lot of that work is going to start happening this summer. And a lot of way that's going to happen is via trade. So I'm really kind of excited to watch all that come together. All right. Thanks for all the work that you've done, Keith. Once again, uh, he's at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. Give him a follow, ask questions, learn something new. Uh, For Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next Podcast.